Welcome on into the Superintendent Radio Network and a special episode today brought to you by Pioneer Landscape Centers. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine, joined today by Ken Ward. He's the Commercial Sales Manager for the company out in Arizona, and it is early out there in Arizona because you guys don't observe daylight saving time. Ken, how you doing? What's going on? Doing great out here, Matt. Yeah, it's a little bit earlier. Uh, it's uh, about 7 o'clock, but the industry starts pretty early. Thanks for having me on today. So, Ken, being out in Arizona, it is very dry. It is very hot. There is literal desert. You are surrounded by sand. And this podcast is going to dive a little bit into sand, not so much the history, but in terms of how you use it, how golf courses use it. And before any of that, tell me a little bit about Pioneer Landscape. Tell me about the history. Tell me about the story. I know the company was founded in 1968, a very, very important year in the history of the country, but also obviously a very important year in the history of your company, because that's when it got going. Absolutely. Pioneer's history is really the uh, the American dream. The original owner, the founder, his name is Gary Schnarr, he started the company with a dump truck and a loader. He uh, got a loan for a couple pieces of equipment and uh, started doing his thing. He started up in Colorado Springs, just moving a little bit of material here and there, you know, just trying to make his way in the world and do his own thing. Over the years, he expanded, bought more trucks, bought more equipment, acquired more quarries. And uh, over the next about 48 years, he was able to move into Arizona in the mid-'80s and expand out here to the, to the great warm desert you referred to earlier and just turn the company into one of the largest landscape material suppliers and golf course sand manufacturers in the Southwest. So, you know, quite the American dream story. And a lot of our listeners out in the mountain and Pacific time zones have probably heard of you. A lot in the central and the eastern haven't. You're in Colorado, you're in Arizona, anywhere else these days, Ken? Oh, we're not. That's part of the game plan is okay. to continue expansion in the uh, in the Southwest, but uh, no, currently we're just in Colorado and Arizona. So if we go into the process of sand, because when we talked last week for the first time, you are about as close to a sand expert as I have ever met in my life, and I think you said, I could talk all day about sand, and I after listening to you talk for an hour, I have no doubt you could talk all week or all month about sand. What is the process, Ken? Like step by step in, no pun intended here, in as granular a level of detail as you want to go into. What's the process to take sand from the earth and it ultimately winds up on a golf course? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. After about 21 years of doing this, I do uh, oh, wow. have a, a bit of an affinity for sand. But uh, the basic process, I think there's a general misconception in the industry that uh, we just go out to a river and, you know, dig up some sand, throw in a truck, and send it on its way. It's nothing to be further from the truth. We do have in the past on field trips out to our facilities, and uh, when we take folks out there, they're just blown away by the scope of uh, what it takes to actually take this material from the river to uh, into the truck. Things basically start with uh, heavy equipment, large loaders, not little small ones that you might see, uh, uh, you know, digging a ditch in someone's backyard or something. We're talking like 980 cat loaders. The buckets on them hold, you know, 8 to 10 tons of material. So we're talking pretty big equipment. But the long and the short of it is having a sand in the river to begin with uh, is where you begin. You've got to pick a river that contains the type of sand that you want to produce. When we talked about a week ago, I had uh, mentioned that there was actually a quote attributed to Michelangelo that says, uh, every block of stone has a stack 
what's inside of it. It's the task of the sculptor to discover it. It's kind of the same game when it comes to sand. If you want to make golf course sand or sports turf materials, the sand's already got to be there for it to be economically feasible. Just about any river can make uh, a sand that would be acceptable for golf courses or for sports turf applications, but you, there's got to be a lot of it. You can't be making 10 tons an hour or something and be uh, economically feasible. So that would be the first step is finding a river that has the material you want to make, and we were lucky enough to do so at our hot sample location in the West Valley. Uh, we've got about 512 acres of land out there and reserves uh, well into the tens of millions. So we'll be out there, you know, long after you and I have, you know, chosen to retire and do other things. But producing the sand, uh, the operation is relatively straightforward. You quarry the sand from the, the, the site, from the river, and then we basically just put it into a feeder, into a plant. Uh, the plant we currently have at that location uh, will process, uh, when we're making golf course materials, We'll process about 1,000 tons now of uh, USGA per hour. Oh, we recently, yeah, we recently upgraded that plant and then did another upgrade to it. We were making, historically, for quite a number of years on our smaller plant, we are making about 500 tons an hour. And this new acquisition, we uh, threw a new plant out there, threw about $2.5 million at it at a new plant, and pretty much doubled our production on golf course materials. The quarry, though, you can't just make golf course materials you have to make other materials obviously there's rock you know in the river and things like that and you have to accommodate for those products as well we're pretty lucky out at our hot sample location and so far that we have about 70 uh, percent sand 30 percent rock so it makes it a very viable horse turf quarry in arizona there are other quarries that are the exact opposite or worse but that's good some locations need rock so long and short of it you know we have about 70 percent sand run it through the plant, and the plant has screens, basically, that are multiple decks. At the top deck of the screen, if you will, is the largest size openings, and they get smaller as you go down. And without actually seeing the plant, it's kind of relatively difficult to give a great visual of exactly how it works. But using screens, vibration, and water, you know, we're able to process that material and get about 1,000 tons of belt material an hour out of it. So that uh, works out pretty well. And in terms of a thousand tons an hour you're operating this isn't 24 7 that you're processing this right no no we're not we run currently we're running six days a week 10 hours a day okay in that cycle um obviously matt there's maintenance and stuff and other things that we have to do out there as well in that 10 hours we actually run material over the plant for about eight of them obviously you have to uh, grease and do maintenance on the loaders on all the equipment the haul trucks the excavators you know everything needs maintenance so that's part of that 10 hour cycle and out of those thousand tons, how much of that sand actually winds up on a course or in a in a home landscape? I'm sure it varies based on the quality of the sand. How our plant is currently set up, we only make one sand at a time. We make three different kinds of sands out there, as well. I take that back. Four, uh, generally, we make a concrete sand, a mortar sand, a fairway sand, and a USGA sand. And we also dive a little bit deeper into the USGAs as well. So when we're making USGA sand, we make about 1,000 tons of that an hour, but we also make pea gravel. We make a product called 57 rock. We make larger river rock. So, and then there's a waste product, too, that goes into a silt pond. So the bottom would be all the material that goes in the silt pond. That would be the finest material, and that's around 7% or so of the material, I think, heads that direction. 
then you have the USGA sand, and then you have, uh, then it starts going up from there. You got fairway sand, which is coarser, pea gravel, which is coarser, 57 rock, which is coarser, all the way up to uh, large, you know, six inch river rock type of stuff. So we actually feed, I don't know the right number, so I'm going to guess here. We probably feed about 1,800 tons or so to get that 1,000 tons of USGA. Wow. Okay. So it's a little more than half of the raw material. It, yeah, that's about that. I, um, obviously, I'm not out there day in, day out. Some days are better than others, but that's about where we're at. You mentioned a few minutes ago the size of truck and machinery necessary for a lot of this process. What are What's some of the other equipment that's required during all of these steps? Obviously, the giant trucks to get it out to the courses, but in between, again, the riverbed and, and the final resting place for the sand. <laughs> the, uh, the smallest part of that whole equation would probably be the trucks that we deliver the material on. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it would be the small side. Uh, we use primarily transfers and, uh, and Super 18s. Uh, not a lot of end dumps go out to golf courses. And they, you can max out at 80,000 tons by federal regulation. And that equates to about 25 tons of material. And then plus the weight of the truck gets you to the 80,000. In the grand scheme of quarries and pits, the equipment we have is actually relatively small. Our haul trucks, I think our largest haul truck holds 40 tons. We have other haul trucks that haul 35 tons. Obviously, you know, as kids growing up, I think we're all enamored with those monster haul trucks that haul 500 tons. <laughs> You can, you can put probably two of our haul trucks in the back of one of those haul trucks. From there, the loaders, we use primarily 980s and 982. We like uh, generally like cat equipment, a uh, little plug-out to them, I suppose. But those loaders will hold, like I said, around 8 to 10 tons, up to about 12 and a half tons. It gets pretty crazy from there, too, because it's uh, how many passes it takes to fill a truck. We recently moved to 982 loaders because you can load a truck with two scoops, whereas a 980, you need to use three. So the, um, the technical aspect of trying to maximize time and effort comes down to how many scoops you have to put in a truck to fill it up, and it comes all the way down to buying a different loader, you know, that costs $600,000, $800,000 just so you can load a truck with two scoops instead of three. There's also there's the haul trucks, water trucks. Um, there's exca- we have one excavator out there, but that's, that's primarily the bulk of the equipment. And then obviously there's, you know, scale, scale house, things of that nature. I feel like if I ever make it west, I, I have to come out for a tour. This, uh, this sounds so fun. It really does. <laughs> no, absolutely. If you ever get out of there, if you're uh, able to make it this way again, give me a room. We'll go out there and take a field trip. It's actually pretty fun taking people out there. Someday we'll all be cleared to travel around the country again. <laughs> Indeed. In terms of some of the recent projects that you guys have worked on, you mentioned one very prominent not even a course, but a, a, a compound, really, out west that I had the good fortune of visiting last year, again, in the before times, in the travel, and that was Desert Mountain, just outside Phoenix, and Sean there had been working on two different courses at the same time, building one course, renovating the other, and there were just tens, and I think even hundreds of thousands of tons of sand that they had ordered from you guys, and the biggest process in in that whole project for them building one course renovating another was trucking up all this sand can you tell me a little bit about about the desert mountain project on what you guys did for seven and renegade up there absolutely i'd be happy to that was probably one of the larger projects that we've done in our history given that was two different projects it was a complete blow up of renegade 
and then the executive course seven. We provided them a number of different materials on that project, from the fairway sand so they could do their wall-to-wall bantering, mm-hmm. um, grass in the fairways. We supplied them the, um, the growing medium for the greens as well, and the bunker sand. So it was a, a great opportunity to provide all three products to, uh, to one course and really have an opportunity to uh, you know, dive into such a wonderful project and you know, have every piece of it. It was really a great project. So the fairway sand was the bulk, um, obviously. There was a lot of acres of, uh, of fairway sand that was provided for them. The, um, the run-up to this project took a number of years. When you're ever doing a project like this, obviously, you don't just pull the trigger and run. So we provided quite a number of samples up there to Keith. We brought them, oh, goodness me, probably upwards of 10 different samples of fairway sand. So we oh could select gosh. exactly, yeah. So we could engineer and supply exactly what it is they needed since doing bentgrass wall-to-wall in Arizona is nearly unheard of. One course did it a little over a decade ago and it wasn't successful. So this is really a big deal for Sean and those folks up there at Desert Mountain to make sure that this worked. Obviously, spending that kind of money on material and not working isn't, uh, isn't something that you know, an avenue anyone wants to go down. So we really engineered that fairway sand to try to get them exactly what would work best for them. And then the, uh, the bunker sand was pretty straightforward. The bunker sand is a blended material to uh, increase the performance and the uh, aesthetic uh, whiteness of the sand, if you will. And then the, um, the greens, if memory serves, I think we did a 90-10 blend up there. But, yeah, it was a fantastic job. The logistics of it got um, really challenging. It was the hardest part. Making the material wasn't really a challenge at all. It's nothing we haven't done in the past. It was just a large volume of material. So we just had to have run-up time. Um, getting the material out there, though, was a different story. There was a lot of challenges of getting the trucks in and out of both courses. In a lot of cases, there was only one way in, one way out, and you had to drive backwards down four, five, or six holes oh. uh, to get the material where it needed to go. And obviously, there's limited space. You can't build a two-lane highway out there in the middle of a golf course with, with all the drainage and everything else they've got going on. So it was, it was really a uh, challenge, and we had some great partners, and we call it third-party logistics, and, uh, and trucking companies that helped us out along with our trucks. I mean, it was just a fantastic opportunity to get that done, and it, uh, it ended up working out pretty well. Seven was a little bit of a different challenge. Um, it wasn't so much of the difficulty getting in and out on seven. It was uh, the fact that the, the, the terraformation they did, that's the only word I can say, because they just absolutely changed the, the, the earth out there. It's, it's very, um, very undulating. So getting the trucks to the places where they needed the sand so they didn't have to touch it two or three times to move it with smaller equipment was quite a challenge as well. Not something that I would have even thought about, but you're trying to just get it basically exactly where it needs to go. I think that's one of the things Sean actually said is looking back at the project because they were pretty much done with all of that when I got out there a little bit after Labor Day last year was if he had to do it again, and thank goodness he doesn't have to renovate and and build a new course at the same time again anytime soon, was he probably would have just had you guys store the sand somewhere up there. I don't know if that was would be in line with what you were just talking about, though, in terms of you getting it exactly where it needs to go. He would have, I guess, just stored it in a central location. And obviously that would have worked out. You know, We would have loved that, obviously, but... It does get quite expensive double-touching sand. Okay. For example, on scope of getting all this material up there, 
Pioneer, we have, uh, not only do we, Pioneer, we just don't make sand. We have 20 retail yards in Arizona. We have a number of rock quarries as well. And we also have about 100 of those big trucks we were discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. We reached out and probably hired another, oh, goodness, at the, at the height of things, maybe another 100 trucks a day wow. uh, to get all this material up to them. So we would have loved being able to uh, put this material somewhere. But it, it, it does get quite costly. We call it double-touching. Having to dump that sand out and then load it into smaller you know, maybe seven-ton dump trucks, you know, and they'll, they'll run, goodness, you know, all gosh darn day uh, trying to get the sand out there. So that does become quite expensive as well. So it is a bit of a challenge. Lessons learned even after 52 years. If we backtrack a little bit, Ken, you had said even before really the project started, you were talking with Sean up there, and you brought him, what did you say, about 10 different types of sand is that normal to look at that many types of sand before a major project like that on a major project like that it's not it's not out of the question at all the uh it's more of what they're trying to do than just willy-nilly bringing them samples again when you're trying to do bent grass when it gets you know it's going to be 114 degrees here in arizona today you know you just you just have to make sure that you got you know all of your ducks in a row and sean and uh and keith and, and mike out there just wanted to uh, do it right the first time. They, uh, so it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a challenge or a hassle or anything. We wanted to be a part of the project. We wanted everyone to be successful. So it was actually a good time, you know, uh, engineering the sand, bringing the sample. Hey, we're kind of looking for this. Can you tweak this or that? And you know, I go back to my production guys and and uh, say, hey, can we tweak this and that? And hey, let's see what we can do. So it's actually kind of fun, you know, engineering a product like that. Kind of, kind of leads to other things that we do out there as far as sand. We have some park sand that we produce as well. It's along the sports turf side. And one of the government agencies out here in Phoenix in the West Valley wanted a very particular sand. Not a lot of other people in the Valley were terribly interested in making it. Um, they, they saw the spec and they're like, that's impossible. When I first saw the spec, I'm like, ooh, this is going to be a challenge. They wanted something that was very coarse that didn't drain very fast. So they wanted it to retain water and be coarse at the same time, which is a huge challenge. I equate it to wanting a sports car that does 200 miles an hour, costs $50,000, and gets 200 miles per gallon. <laughs> if only. It's, 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 yeah, it's just, it's, exactly. It's very challenging. So we, we took on the challenge. We made quite a number, again, of samples of that material for, for uh, Peoria, the city of Peoria, and uh, ended up making something that worked for them. And, and luckily, it's been very successful for them and us. We've been able to do quite a number of parts with that material. And it just kind of goes to show if you're willing to put in the time, you know, it can work out to your favor. Ken, tell me a little bit more about that USGA quality sand. The different grades of USGA that we make out there. Um, since you alluded to the, the Scottsdale guys, that's kind of generally what we call them, the, uh, uh, the fellas up on the hill. Quite a number of them. So there's, there's standard USGA and a standard USGA recommendation. Uh, there's a number of the, the, the courses up there that have requested and would like to use a little more specific grade of sand. What they've asked us to do is uh, remove some of the top end, some of the coarse material, so the material will migrate into their profile a little more easily, and then take a little of the bottom end off, too, uh, so it has a little bit better uh, water release characteristics and a couple of other things we're looking for. So what we did a number of years ago is we uh, made a double-washed and a triple-washed USGA. And basically, the, uh, the process is exactly what it sounds like. We take uh, the USGA sand and we literally 
just run it through the plant again. And that gives you double wash sand. And then you take that sand and you run it through the plant again, and that gives you triple wash sand. So it's kind of a neat process, you know, to go through that and see how we can make that happen for them, you know, and make it economically feasible so it's a product that they could actually afford to use on their courses. The last question that I have about that project in particular is just, I'm not quite sure on the Colorado side of things. You're obviously mostly in Arizona, all of your projects. And in Arizona, there are just so few bent grass courses, again, because of the climate. But Desert Mountain opted for bent grass up there because they have that very weird microclimate just north of, of the city. They're about 30, 35 minutes outside of Phoenix that microclimate allowed them to take the chance on bent grass, and, and it's worked out incredibly well in the, the first full year. How much bent grass do you get a chance to see, Ken, where you are in Arizona? On fairways, none. The okay. only people that have done it is, uh, is Sean and those guys up there are the only people that okay. have done it recently. Like I said, there was a course about a decade or so, a little over a decade ago, that tried it, and they unfortunately were unsuccessful. But we are familiar with bent grass down here for greens applications. So there are quite a number of courses, especially up in that area, because they are a little bit higher altitude. Phoenix is about 1,400 feet, and I think they're a good maybe six, 800, maybe even 1,000 feet higher up there than we are here. Um, like you said, they do have that weird microclimate. So a lot of those courses up there do have it on their greens, but no one on the fairways. What other projects are you working on or, or have you worked on recently that have stood out? And that could be golf courses, that could be... Sports turf, I know you do a lot of work with the spring training facilities out in the Valley, the Cactus League. Uh, we do quite a bit. and there's actually We've had quite a lot of opportunity in the past decade to be a part of a lot of those great projects that have been built recently. Pioneer, obviously, is not only just, we don't just do construction. We also provide materials to maintain the courses and the facilities as well. But insofar as construction, building a couple of the uh, spring training facilities was, was really a great time. They do take quite a large uh, amount of sand, upwards of sixty and 70,000 tons, to build the, uh, the stadium fields, all the agility fields, and everything else that goes into it. And, and that was just always fun. It's, it's, uh, the large amounts that they order per day will generally, it's not uh, outrageous to ship them 1,000 or 1,500 tons of sand per day out to the course because when they're ready for it, they've got to get rocking and rolling and get that pea gravel covered and get everything going. So it's not out of the question to ship them a decent amount of sand every day. As I alluded to earlier, we do a lot with parks, which can end up being quite large uh, volumes of material as well. They generally don't use a USGA-grade sand. They don't, they don't need it, and they don't have the, uh, maybe the equipment or the desire to have to maintain the fields at such a high level. Primarily soccer has become really big in the, in the uh, hmm. last, what, 20 years? <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so, ever since the World Cup in 94. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of soccer, we did do the, uh, the local uh, soccer facility that's up in Scottsdale as well. Uh, that was a fun little project because we had a lot of rain uh, during the time of construction. So, you know, there's Mother Nature throws her little challenges into the, into the mix as well. But it, I think all of them are, are fun in their own different way. Um, it's fun to have a challenge. You know, as anyone knows, doing the same thing for years and years and maybe even decades might get a little long in the tooth. So it's nice to have the little challenges to do the, the you know, the different things. Do you ever get a chance to get out to any of those spring training facilities, not during the off season, but actually in February and March when the games are going on, you get to sit in the stands with your family and 
maybe watch with eight or 10,000 other people in the seats how that sand looks out on the field? Um, yeah, we do get an opportunity to get out and, uh, and watch some games, especially the, during the spring training. It's so nice in Arizona to get out and do so. Uh, my family is actually from the Midwest, so close to where you're at uh, there in Ohio. Hmm. My grandfather was a huge Cubbies fan, so my mom is a huge Cubbies fan, and it's been great to have the Cubs here locally. We started going and seeing them back when they were still at Old Hobocomb Park mm-hmm. and just uh, you know sit on the grassy uh the grassy park area there and, and taking a game. I think my family kind of got sick of me because I do <laughs> like sand and like talking about it. So, you know, for the first half of the game, they have to sit there and suffer through me talking about the sand. And, oh, that's where we brought the trucks in, and this is where they went out. And they just want to watch baseball and have a hot dog. It's like if you go to a baseball game with my editor, Guy Cipriano, editor-in-chief of the magazine, or if you go, I'm sure, to a baseball game with various superintendents or other turf heads you sit in the upper deck they'll point out the poa in the outfield to you <laughs> if you go to a baseball game with you ken you're gonna point out every detail about the sand out there i'm sure exactly in the warning track and where all the sprinkler heads we you know we had to dodge <laughs> and not run them over because they cost three hundred dollars a piece and yeah absolutely i think i uh like you pointed uh, <clears throat> excuse me alluded to earlier right I do like talking about sand, and I think my family's heard quite enough about it. <laughs> well, maybe they'll come around at some point and just understand that this is a passion and this is a huge, huge knowledge base for you, and maybe they should just uh, maybe they should just listen. I don't know. Maybe they should just embrace sand like me. Who knows? <laughs> Ken, I think you outlined a couple of rules that you have for customers and potential customers, and rule number one is just give us a phone call. Just pick up the phone and, and say hello. There's there's really nothing more before that. And then rule number two is whatever you do, just don't cuss at us. Nobody likes to be yelled at. Nobody likes to be cussed at. I think those are two fair rules. It's absolutely. Um, insofar as getting a hold of us, just reach out. Like we've discussed, you know, we're happy to, to take on any, any challenges to try to help uh, work around any roadblocks that might be in a course's way to being successful. I think that's why we're here and the specialty sand segment. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, the, the big guys in the, the industry that make, uh, you know, millions of tons of aggregates and, and aggregate sands and things of that nature. We're not that guy. We, we want to be the, the guy making a specialty sand. So just reach out to us. If you got some challenges, reach out, and let's see if we can't help. Um, and then, obviously, in any business, uh, people aren't going to make mistakes. Um, everyone does. You know, some customers are, uh, some partners are fantastic about it. You know, hey, you know, this happened, oh, let me get it squared away. You just jump on it and, you know, show them that you care and, and take care of their issues as quickly as possible. And then obviously have some customers that uh, may be a little more hot under the collar and, and get a little angry with you. You know, like you said, no one wants to be cussed at. Ken, before I let you go, this was a really fun conversation. Is there anything else you want to talk about, anything you want to plug before you get back to the rest of your day? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like we alluded to earlier, uh, Pioneer is, uh, is, is a bit of a diverse company, and, and we're a little bit unique uh, in the industry in Arizona. Not only do we make sands, like I said earlier, we make um, decorative rock as well. We have quite a number of quarries that makes a, a full spread of decorative materials for uh, anyone that, any courses that may be doing some beautification and things like that on their courses and need some other materials. We also have about 20 retail yards scattered throughout the valley. So we're pretty much a full-service company from uh, anything that's just not living. You know, if you want plants or fertilizers or anything of that nature, we're not your guy. But pretty much anything that uh, was never alive, give us a call. We'll see if we can help. (laughs) 
<laughs> what a way to phrase it. I love it. Well, he's Ken Ward, commercial sales manager in Arizona for Pioneer Landscapes. Ken, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it, and have a great day. Matt, you do the same thing. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us on.